0: And each time you learn something and each time you get more of an understanding of capturing that ephemeral thing that's the magical usness that you're trying to make
1: hello all my enthusiastic creative friends thank you for joining me today on the sage arts podcast i'm sage your host and creative enabler for all you curious and adventurous makers out there i apologize that this is getting out a day late but After kind of overfeeding my muse in Maui last week, I came home and had a really hard time getting back to work, especially since I had to do my taxes, which is always hard to get into, right? So I got a little behind, but I promise it's well worth the wait and I won't have you wait long to get into a really wonderful interview today. So let's get a couple shout outs in really quickly and then we'll get right down to it. This past week or so, most of the comments and notes I got were in regards to my trip, but. Also about the Your Path, Your Groove episode, which is episode 11. So a few episodes back, it's kind of funny how people will go back and find that thing they need all the same time. Like the universe just prods us collectively or something. I don't know how that works, but the synchronicity always fascinates me because it happens over and over again. So several people wrote about doing the priorities exercise I suggested in that episode Mostly, they did it and found it super helpful, but I was surprised myself to hear from Wendy Moore, who is in Nepal at the time of this record. So I wouldn't have thought she'd have time to listen, but apparently she did. And Wendy, she is an amazing soul. She works with Samanot Nepal, which is a grassroots organization empowering women who are vulnerable to violence and poverty in the eastern side of the country in Nepal. They help with education, legal assistance, housing, etc. Wendy was initially invited to teach them jewelry making as part of their objective to give the women self-sufficiency, but she has since become an integral part of that organization. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can look at and buy some of their jewelry if you'd like or read some of their stories. They're really touching stories and it's such a great organization. So in any case, Wendy did this exercise from the Your Path, Your Groove episode only to confirm what she already suspected were her reasons for creating. And what she found aligns with some things I've been thinking about a lot recently. So I'm actually going to do an episode about this probably next week. But she said that she creates because it makes her truly notice, makes her stop and look. There was some of this that I touched on in the Feed Your Muse episode as well. But I do want to talk about seeing as an important and multifaceted concept for creatives. When I was coaching, how to see was a really eye-opening part of the conversation for a lot of my clients. No pun intended there. So I think that's going to be an important concept for a lot of you as well. But in the meantime, I thought her comment would be a good reminder for all of us to really stop and see what is around us and then think about how you look at the world and what you notice and bring that to the episode next week to weigh against the concepts that I'll talk about in terms of scene. And also a quick shout out to some of my cheerleaders because I have several of them that are always commenting and always giving me feedback, especially Esther Ramiro and Coral Stengel. Thank you, ladies, for following and letting me know what you think about the podcast. Feedback is so essential for me. I really want to make this show something that you need, not just what I think you need. So let me know what you think. You can send me an email on the website at sagearts.com. Just go to the contact page and fill out the email form or use the leave me a message button. You can also comment on social media at Facebook or Instagram at the sage arts podcast. And if you're getting your muse fed listening to the podcast, you can give back also on that same website, the On the homepage, scroll halfway down to find the Buy Me a Coffee and PayPal support buttons. Okay, let's go join my guest for this episode's conversation. My guest today is Ginger Davis-Allman. She's a writer, teacher, and artist who helps makers create, particularly with polymer clay. So thank you for joining us today, Ginger.
0: Thank you. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Yeah, so all my. Ginger and I have known each other for a while, and we can talk up a storm. So we'll try to keep this, you know, within subject matter. You know, we'll still have stories and all that fun stuff. But let's start with Ginger. You tell us a little bit about yourself, what what it is that you do, um, your creative focus, that kind of thing.
0: Well, I write a website called The Blue Bottle Tree, and it is about creating with polymer clay. Mm -hmm. And I've been writing it for about 10 years. And that's been my focus. A lot of teaching, a lot of writing, things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do.
1: You're really considered the source for polymer clay-like technical information, which is just so cool that we have like our little kind of technical expert Everybody's just like well just ginger probably has something on that she probably has an article on that you know kind of yeah thing.
0: yeah well i'm insanely curious i can't help myself
1: yeah that's you great know,
0: if i've got a question i have to find out i have yeah. to find the answer
1: yeah yeah so that's what i do i think that's why we connected initially because i was the same way because i used to do a lot of testing early on and then you were just going gang gang So i was like i'm like ginger do it <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to do that part <laughs> <laughs> now where do you live
0: I live in Springfield, Missouri, Okay. and it's right smack in the middle of the country in an area called the Ozarks.
1: Nice. Some of us know that from the show
0: you know the funny thing is the show wasn't it wasn't even filmed in the Ozarks so it doesn't look like that here no I've been
1: through some parts of the Ozarks that were very very green I remember that
0: it's like yeah broccoli
1: it's like broccoli the The trees are kind of like broccoli come to think of it so okay so you live in a broccoli ridden area of the country (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and you run this business do you have any other work outside of the blue
0: bottle tree No, this is all consuming. Yeah. Doing what I do, it's all consuming. 50, 60 hours a week, most of the time doing this. Even if I wanted to work elsewhere, there wouldn't be enough me to do it. Not enough me, for sure.
1: Yeah. Do you have any passions outside of it that kind of defines you so we can just kind of get a big full picture of who you are?
0: Yeah, I'm really fascinated with Social psychology. Oh yeah, all of things. Yeah? yeah, I'm really fascinated with what makes people tick and yeah. you know, why we do what we do, and I think that ties in with art, believe it or not. Because oh, I think, absolutely. you know, at the core, I'm curious why we do what we do. It's also interesting from a marketing and a teaching standpoint. Sure it ties in together. So I'm really fascinated with that. It's it's helped me understand my world and my part in it and how I can engage with others and help them reach their goals. So it's like all tied in and connected.
1: Yeah, very cool. I think that kind of ties into our subject today, which we'll get to in a moment, because I want to do all the fun little warm up questions too. So (laughs) first of all, how about if someone were to write a biography of you, what would the title of the biography be?
0: It would be. I want to know. Oh, yeah, that
1: so makes sense.
0: <laughs> it's me. pretty this much is what drives me. This is what drives me. I swear, I have so many things I'm curious about, and figuring them out, understanding them, learning about them. It's what keeps me going. It's the most fascinating thing in the world. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, here's one. That pretty much makes every edit because I think this is such an interesting question to ask people. If you're a planner or a pantser, and a pantser is somebody who just does things by the seat of their pants.
0: I'm a combination of both. Yeah? I am a systems person. I have a lot of systems in place, probably because I'm so massively ADHD. Uh-huh. So I have all kinds of systems. I make lists. I'm quite well organized because otherwise nothing had ever happened because yeah. I'd just be a disaster. But I love flying by the seat of my pants. And I am, in fact, I joke all the time with my husband because he's Mr. Plan. Uh-huh. I love to fly off cliffs. In a little fashion? <laughs> Not really. No, because that's you know, be interesting. You, you, I don't like to plan things to the nth degree. I much prefer to just get in there mm-hmm. and do it. And I joke that I fly off cliffs and I figure it out on the way down. Ah, but okay. I'm enough of a planner. I tend to look around before I jump. Yeah. So I, have, I don't jump unless I've got a pretty good idea. I know what's going to happen when I do. Yeah. But I love that rush, that adrenaline rush of
1: flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. I totally would have thought you would have said planner from the, no, from the no, outside. No, no. Yeah. You're so organized and your newsletters and your website and stuff, there's so much information. It's very structured and really easy to get around and find all that information. So yeah, I thought you would totally been a planner. Yeah, no, I'm both. I'm That's both. great. Okay. How about, do you have any favorite guilty pleasure foods?
0: Okay. This is, Here's a story here. Oh, yeah, First yeah, off, I love stories. <laughs> I love all food, okay, because right? hello. Food's okay, good. Um, food is good. But I think that my favorite guilty pleasure food would have to be puffy Cheetos. Puffy Cheetos? That's kind of like my funny Puffy <laughs> Cheetos. Okay, okay. There's My husband calls them crunchy chrysalises. Crunchy chrysalis? And then I constantly have to correct him and say that's not the plural of chrysalis. What's the plural? Chrysalides. Chrysalides? Yep, Ugh, that's a great word. Isn't that a great word? Yeah. Chrysalides, chrysalides is the plural of chrysalis. So chrysalises is te- uh-huh. not technically correct. It's chrysalides.
1: So you so, you crunch on bright neon orangey chrysalides. Chrysalides. You
0: got it. <laughs> that is my favorite guilty pleasure. Oh, that's great.
1: Although now I'm like sad every time I'd eat one. <laughs> I'd be
0: like there goes a butterfly that could have oh, been. No. <laughs> Do you have any weird things that you've eaten
1: that you're like, yeah, no one, no <laughs> okay. one does this? Yeah,
0: in my family, it's peanut butter and pickles. But what's fascinating <laughs> is my mother and my father both brought this to you know to our family. They grew up eating peanut butter and pickles in different ways. My mother, it's peanut butter and sweet pickles. Okay, and my father, it's peanut butter mayonnaise and oh. dill pickles, Pe- which is my favorite. Are you saying peanut butter
1: plus it. mayonnaise plus pickles? Or yeah. is there something called peanut butter mayonnaise? No,
0: no. You take peanut butter and then you put mayonnaise over it. It has to be mayonnaise, not Miracle Whip. And he's put never been butter. pregnant,
1: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> peanut, <laughs> no, it does Seriously, it's one of those things. Just try it. Peanut butter, mayonnaise, <laughs> and dill pickles. Because, you know, sometimes things just have a really like a magical yeah, combination absolutely. flavor. Yeah. That is one of them. Wow. It's like you don't expect it. And you're like, That's- whoa. That's it's an different. adventurous
1: little food thing for some time yeah,
0: you, when you're just feeling yeah, weird. you said weird.
1: <laughs> I, you totally fulfilled that question to the T. Okay, now tell us about your creative journey. How did you come to crafts and arts and how did you become such a primary source of information for polymer crafters?
0: It's interesting because you don't always know where you're going to end up when you start, obviously. Yeah. I I had no idea that this is what was going to happen. I've been a lifelong serial crafter. Crafting has always been something I've done since I was a little kid. I had a very strong art interest as a child. And when I went to university, I was torn between science and art. It was Mm -hmm. a 50-50 on that one. And I have a huge art background. I'm also a huge procrastinator, so craft came into play when I was working on my master's thesis. I never got more cross stitch and stained glass done <laughs> than when I was supposed to be doing my thesis. So uh-huh. there's that. I got into polymer clay when my kids were little, and then later on, um, when I had more time, you know, when they were older. I started exploring and started, well, let me try it and see. Let me see what happened. So I did that with polymer clay and next thing you know, I'd write an article about it because I figured other people wanted to know too. Right. So I started writing about all of these things and the more I did it, of course the more people started asking questions and yep. the more questions there were, the more answers, you know. So yeah. it just took off and that's that's what happened.
1: Yeah, we were both taking off at the same time. Can remember that Right. 2011 was when the magazine started. And I think you had just started putting stuff out officially. Right. Yeah.
0: 2012 is when I started with the bottle trade. Mm, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as your own artwork, well, first of all, do you get to do much <laughs> of your <laughs> own
0: art because you're so busy? No, yeah. not really. Yeah. That's the frustrating thing. One of the things I decided to do this year was starting in January, as I said, this is silly that mm-hmm. I'm not living my life, in essence, for myself. So I started setting aside, dedicating time to do that. So I do. I do some.
1: So this year has gotten a little better? A little better. Yeah. You've built your business identity around teaching others to improve their work and their process. Have you been able to identify the source of that passion? Like, why do you like to share so much?
0: My mother was a teacher. And so I was raised by a person who constantly pulled us aside and said, look at this. Isn't this interesting? I had that kind of a childhood. Also, my father, my father's actually an artist now. He started doing that later in life. He just shifted and he's now a sculptor. He does huge metal sculptures.
1: Oh, nice.
0: So I think some of it's my father, some of it's my mother, and some of it, believe it or not, is my husband. My husband is a problem seeker. I jokingly call him the compliance officer because he <laughs> is one of those. That's just his personality. I love that compliance officer. The beautiful thing about that is he taught me to see problems. And art and creativity are just problems to solve.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Between my family and my husband, and you know, life itself—that just kind of all combines together. And I live in a world of ideas and problems to solve.
1: To solve. If that
0: makes any sense. And oh, absolutely. I think where that came from.
1: Yeah, I say that all the time. Art is a problem-solving process. I know that seems to take a little of the magic out of it for some people to call it a problem-solving thing, but it's it, that's what we're doing. We want to see something that's in our heads out in the world, and you have to figure out how to do that. So when we first started talking about bringing you on, we talked about a whole bunch of different things, but we ended up talking about practice and its related processes like iteration and such. So What are your primary thoughts and philosophies concerning practice?
0: You know, practice is an interesting one. I think that when you say practice, a lot of people will assume practice means like when we had piano lessons when we were a kid. Your mother made you sit in a chair and practice. That's boring.
1: The doing things over and over again.
0: Right. Nobody wants to do the same thing over and over again. When I think of practice now, I think of it as a practice, Mm -hmm. as a cohesive process of exploration over time, where you take your understanding of something from one place and you go toward another place. Your practice will change over time. There are times that you're more fascinated with one aspect of it. You may be more interested in figuring out voice. Or at another time, you may be more interested in figuring out depth or construction or um, refining a specific technique. But I think practice, the way I define it, is that process of going from one place to another intentionally, improving what your results are.
1: Absolutely. So what are some of the other angles that you came up with as you considered this before you sat down to talk?
0: Well, a lot of people will make something once and then never make it again. They try something and they run into an obstacle and then they go, I suck. <laughs> right. and no, you don't suck. You just haven't developed it yet. You're still in baby steps. This is like looking at a toddler and they fall down. and like, well, I'm not going to get up again. <laughs> I'm
1: never walking no, again. <laughs> no,
0: it, it's a practice. Yeah. It's, a, it's a process. It takes time. It, it takes doing it over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, so really talking about the aspect of taking risks, trying. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And another aspect of practice is that a lot of times people, they want to play and they feel that practice is not related to play. And they say, well, I don't ever want to make something again. I don't want to make something twice. Because they love that feeling of going into playful exploration with no expectations. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't look at your work systematically, at least on some level, and ask yourself, okay, what didn't work? What aspect of this would I like to attempt again? What went wrong here? That type of thing. If you're not doing that, then you're not going to improve. And you have to be able to look at that, which I call practice, and try it again. Maybe not the same project again, but aspects of that project again. You need to do that iteration. And that is not incompatible with play. You're still playing. But if you just make the same thing over and over and over again, or if you refuse to make the same thing over and over again, I think that you're not going to grow.
1: So the main thing that we're looking to gain through practice is growth.
0: I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, where do you go with growth? You know, what's your goal? Lots of times, your goal is just that you want to create effectively so that you can get your ideas down. Yeah. Because there's nothing more frustrating than having a voice inside of you and something that you want to say, and you don't have the techniques, you don't have the facility with your hands, you don't have the understanding of the material. That's a very frustrating place to be in. It's also really easy to beat yourself up when you're in that position.
1: So, it's really like helping growth in terms of whatever your goals are, in terms of reducing frustration, in terms of gaining skills. So that you can say what you need to say, create what you need to create. Right. It almost sounds like practice in terms of the definitions that we're kind of putting out there is that it's more about your view of what you're doing, how you're going to see your growth and about how you're going to approach it through your intention and through whatever it is that you feel like you're lacking.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's like this is the third time I've done the 100 day project. I've completed it twice before. One year I did veneers. And another one, I did vessels. So this year I'm doing beads. So each day I do at least one bead.
1: And real quickly, tell everybody what the 100-day project is.
0: The 100-day project is just an internet thing. People just work on whatever their chosen project is. They define the project for themselves and they commit to doing that for 100 days. And they hashtag the 100-day project. So you just post on Instagram or wherever your social media is.
1: Yeah. So self-defined, very specific practice for 100 days and it's not doing the same thing like I started doing it and I was doing textures and poetry at the same time and posting them together which ended up being kind of a big thing but like I never made the same texture in 100 days and you never made the same veneer in 100 days but you're really digging in
0: right and it, it seems like that would be boring to make a bead every day well it's not like I'm just each day making the exact same style of bead right that would that would be boring right Every day, I'm trying something different. I'm exploring a different aspect of it. Right. I'm changing the material. I'm changing technique. I'm even exploring things like baking processes. Yeah. But if I'm curious about something, then I explore it through the lens of this project. And that allows me to stay focused because let me tell you, I've got my butt in the chair every day and I will for a 100 days. So this gives me a constrained, specific, focused reason why I get to do something. Because if I sit down and I say, okay, this year, I'm going to do more art. You don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you need more specifics. Yeah.
0: So this constrained specific, it gets my butt in the chair. And I, I think it's really helpful. Well, I love
1: that bringing that into this conversation about practice, because like you're saying, you don't want to necessarily do the same thing over and over again. And that's the definition of iteration, right?
0: Well, Actually, to me, iteration is do something, evaluate, make the change, do it again. Okay. But not the same exact thing. Iteration is evolution.
1: Okay. All right. Because iteration was brought up as well as a type of practice. But I find the 100-Day Project interesting as a way to look at practice that isn't about Mm -hmm. duplication, but that it's exploratory. It's feeding the muse because it's all about that curiosity. So you're practicing, but because you have to make something 100 times, you are having to really reach and discover and do things you might not have done had you not been pushed to do this 100 times. Every day I did a texture, I had a different form, different colors, and then I was trying all different kinds of tools and combining them with different other aspects of the design that really pushed my thought processes. So practice, like with this 100-day project, is often about seeing the different directions we could go And push ourselves. Right. I think that would be an encouraging thought for people who think that practice is going to be boring and tedious. Right. Yeah.
0: I also think that having those constraints is actually incredibly freeing because there's nothing more intimidating than sitting down. Blank sheet of paper, and you have way too many possibilities, and that becomes really intimidating. So having a constrained project means that every day I know what I'm going to make. Yeah. I don't have to waste any time with that. Oh, what am I going to make today? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you, you do have a little you bit always, of that. Yeah. But generally, they're like guardrails. Right. I've got guardrails so that I'm. I know I have to stay somewhat on this road. Right. And and that is very freeing. Because I'm no longer intimidated by, oh my gosh, it's really, I think, I'm a huge fan of constrained projects. Every time I've undertaken one, it has been um, life-changing.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely life-changing.
1: So. The thing about limitations, interestingly enough, does push you to think beyond and really dig down in the well of information and ideas that you have to find things that will fulfill what little space you have to work in.
0: The first time I did one of these constrained projects, I did a photography project years and years and years ago on Flickr. They had something called the 365 Days Project. 365. Okay. <laughs> and you took a self-portrait every day for a year. And let me tell you, you get really sick of your face. <laughs> so you come up with all kinds of creative ways. What you end up doing is you take a picture of yourself in a mirror or passing in a mirror. You put a camera across a street and you take a picture of yourself in a reflection. You get artsy with it. You get really, really, really creative with it. You try something on one day and you're like, well, you know what? That was cool, but that wasn't exactly what I had in mind. Well, okay, well, what would I do differently this next time? If I were going to do this again, how would I change it? Okay, well, like in the case of photography, you might want to do it with trees in it instead. Or maybe it would be better if I did my hair differently. I don't know. Whatever you're going to change, how would you modify it? And then the next day you make those modifications. Yeah. And you say, oh, okay, well, this is closer to what I had in mind. You know, there's a concept that I've talked about quite a bit in my writing about our artistic journey is a process. Okay, we all have an idea deep down in ourselves of something that we want to express. You know, certain clothes are you versus not you.
1: Yeah, right. We
0: all have an usness, And I think in our art, there's an usness. There's a thing about you that's deep down inside that feels right. It just feels right. And I think that our art is a process of trying to capture that and trying to recreate that. And you never quite get there. Because your, your skills are not perfect. Your translation of your concepts is never quite there. And every day, every time, every art piece that you make, you get generally closer, but not always. Yeah. And each time you learn something and each time you get more of an understanding. Of capturing that ephemeral thing that's the magical usness right. that you're trying to make. Right. And I think that iteration is just a constant over and over and over and over and over again of getting from the first time you tried it to closer. Yeah. I don't think you ever get there. Yeah. I don't think any of us ever finally get there and do this magical masterpiece and go, that's
1: it. Because that would be the end. It would be like getting to the end of the internet or something. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I don't want to get to the end. (laughs) Right. So that's what I mean by practice and iteration Uh is just keep going. It's like that personal development thing about how it's like the layers of an onion. You're just constantly pulling back the layers and pulling them more and more and more. And I think that art is that iteration that gets you there.
1: So the practice and the iteration is really about digging down, pulling back the layers and being persistent in that and dedicated, yeah. it sounds like.
0: I think dedication is is an important aspect of it. I think yeah. it gets a bad rap. Dedication sounds like, again, sitting in the chair and being forced to do your practice.
1: The The whole idea of practice, it's like when you play guitar. If you play guitar, you can't go a week without playing it. Or you start losing your calluses and then it makes it really hard. Right, so right. part of the idea of, of practice with a guitar sometimes is just keeping your calluses up there, even if you're not able to put a whole lot of time into it. I think that would be true with art or any kind of making. And that's what it sounds like we're really talking about. Keeping it fresh and keeping it in front of you and keeping it on the top of your mind. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like every morning at 9 a.m. I am going to be right. at my studio table.
0: I do think you need to make it a priority if you expect to see improvement. Right. That being said, I'm also a fan of a concept that I call TV knitting. And that is there are times that you need the soothing, repetitive, easy, simple immersion in beauty. And I think that a lot of us like to do things like diamond painting or coloring or... paint by number. Yeah, we're just so flooded that you don't have the bandwidth for that kind of process and discipline and development and practice. But I think that if you stay there, don't be surprised if you don't develop.
1: Yeah. Give yourself a break. I actually talked a little bit about that in the last episode where I discussed a little bit about about brain health, as a way to feed your muse, you take care of your brain, and you give it lots of things to work off of, but it right. does need downtime. And in this day and age, we always have 20,000 things that are vying for our attention, and our brain is trying to juggle all of this stuff. And one of the things about artwork or any kind of making where you can get into a flow does give your brain a rest. Yeah. So, yeah, practice is good, but don't overdo it and give yourself some downtime with, like, motor skills. You know, the more you work with clay, the more your fingers get to know and understand the material. Very much so. Right. Very and the same so. thing with knitting or crocheting or, gosh, anything where you have to work hands-on with the materials, you're brain-finger connection, becomes refined just through the the act of working with that material. So that's practice too, right? Because it's improving a skill. It's improving muscle memory.
0: That's definitely true, especially with new makers. One of the things that they struggle with is not having the fine motor skills. Right now, I'm doing this bead project, and one of the most common things that I get asked is, how do you make them so perfectly round? Practice. It's practice, and you'll make them round if you make a lot of beads, Yeah. but I cannot tell you how, because your body's going to do it differently than my body does it. Yeah. It's like riding a bike. You have to get on it. Yeah. And there's a lot of things, especially handling your materials, you're going to learn that by doing it, and that is, to a certain extent, repetition, Yeah. and you do it by doing it. You develop your eye-hand coordination. Right. By doing it. Yeah.
1: So practice is also about getting your skills done, getting control over your medium or the processes that you need to work with.
0: That's part of mastery. And I think that mastery is the other part of what we're talking about here. I guess that's the goal is that mastery is where you end up.
1: Yeah. And we should probably define that when we're talking about mastery, we're not talking about you becoming a master the way the rest of the world sees it, but that you have a particular idea of where you want to be. And mastery is you getting to that place, right?
0: Well, in my opinion, mastery would be being able to wield your skills like a tool. Mm-hmm. To be able to have the facility of knowing how to get where you want to go right it's not about being the best it's not about being a master, right, so that you can get your you know your gold stamp of approval from social media and your you know or whatever it is about becoming to the point where it is not an anxiety filled problem. Because you have worked it through it enough that you have enough confidence and mastery
1: to know that you can go in and and accomplish most likely right. accomplish. I mean, all art is and all making is risk on some level because you don't know if you've right. never done it before, especially. Right. But the idea that you practice enough so that your mastery is at such a level that you feel like you have enough control to make a good stab at it,
0: <laughs> so yeah, to Yeah, yeah, right, yeah.
1: right. That will actually probably allow you to be more adventurous with your work and to right. try different things because your mastery is at such a level that you know that you can accomplish the basic things that need to be the underpinning for what you're doing. And that the more risky stuff is, can I get this image across the way I want to? Can this thing in my head look like what it is when I put it outside? into my
0: material. I also think it's really important to mention here that when we're talking about mastery or getting somewhere, we're not talking about a hierarchy. You want to be a better version of you. We all have different things we're dealing with, struggling with. We all have different abilities, different everything. You're just not on the same journey. Mm -mm. You're just not.
1: And I think that's a really important thing to emphasize and I do that a lot throughout this podcast is to understand that whenever we talk about something that we're trying to give you information to help improve what you're doing, improvement is based on your definition of where you want to go and where you want to end at. So yeah, we do kind of say that a lot, but for a very for a very good reason, I think yeah. <laughs> now. For some people, the idea of practice or any kind of guidelines, they just steer away from that. They just don't want to think about that. They just want to go in there and do whatever. Do you think that this is problematic? I mean, with their end goal being to improve themselves on some level, do you think they can do that without having to think about practice? Do you think these are things where you know, pantsing it <laughs> at the studio table is still going to get them where they need to go?
0: I don't think you're ever going to see improvement without risk. But there may be lots of other things that they're working on, and they may not be at a place right then that they have the room to do further growth where they're at there. Growth is not linear. Yeah. We have to remember that. You might get better in some things in some areas of your life, and then that gives you the ability to then work on others. Right. We have to be careful about beating ourselves up about not being where we want to be but i don't think you can get better in massive air quotes i don't think you can evolve without going through a process of intentionally looking at your work seeking solutions and applying them yeah
1: i love that you bring up the whole person aspect of making things of doing art crafts whatever it's not like it exists separate from the rest of your life and right. the rest of the things that you have in medicine and health there's a concept body burden where some people can handle things better because they don't have as much to deal with or the body just does something more efficiently or whatnot. Everybody has different variations on it depending on what they've dealt with in the past, depending on what they are dealing with now and depending on what their abilities are. And I think that's true in creating artwork. What you're able to do and how much you're able to get out of, say, doing a regular practice, whether it's something like the 100-day project or simply iteration and improving on what you've done before, You have a certain capacity for it at that specific time. And yeah, we shouldn't beat ourselves up over it because maybe we don't have the capacity for it because our body burden or our creative burden, like our energy that our mind is using up in other areas may reduce the amount we can use when we get to the studio table. Because that's something I think a lot of us forget. Like we do beat ourselves up over not being able to do things. And it's like, wait a minute, what else is going on in your life? Right. Don't beat yourself up. If you've got 100,000 things going on, you've got serious, serious considerations that are weighing on you. I think art is an escape from a lot
0: of that stuff at the same time. Yes. I think that a lot of people come to art because they need the therapy aspect. They need that peace. They need the flow state. They need the pleasure. When you look at my writing, I write about the technical aspects of polymer clay. I think because of that, people assume that I believe that the only thing you need are those technical things. There's a tiny, tiny, tiny part of what it takes to evolve as a creative. And I do personally believe that your personal, emotional, psychological, spiritual, whatever, your growth as a human is very much a part of your ability to evolve as a creative they're very 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 deeply connected and i think that a, a lot of people who are frustrated with their growth process they assume it's because they don't know techniques and i'm sorry techniques are actually a small aspect of what you need inside your body is where your battle is your heart your soul your mind your spirit your habits those that's you that yeah. that's life is a journey life is a very hard journey <laughs> yeah <laughs> I shouldn't, I don't want to be a downer because I think it's a wonderful journey.
1: No, but we do have tough times, not just personally, but within our our artwork, whether we manage to do what we want to do, whether something sells or doesn't sell. But when we do make it, whatever version make it is for you, it is just such a wonderful place to be. Right. So without risk, you'll never have that kind of joy.
0: You have a less than successful outcome of a creative project. It's very easy to look at that and go, well, I saw Don't go there. Terrible self-talk. Yeah.
1: I like to say that every single time you sit down at the studio table, you've succeeded because you're there. And every time you make something, whether it succeeds in whatever version you are trying to succeed, even if it doesn't, you did it. You went through that process. And the fact that you did that is kind of what we're talking about in terms of practice. You spent the time trying to do that, and you'll learn something, yeah, and you'll you'll have so. the ability to look at what you did and learn from it. So every time you sit down and do something, you succeed. Agreed. In terms of practice, when did you discover the advantages of it, or did you have any epiphanies at some point in your creative journey that you said, this is really important to me?
0: Yeah. As a child, I was always creative. I always did crafts. My first summer after graduating high school, I remember my mother gave me a sewing machine for graduation. Very
1: boring. You know what? That's what I got for graduation
0: too. I <laughs> I was the only one. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, anyway, I decided that I was going to, make some clothes and i had no patience whatsoever because i just wanted to get it done i just Uh, wanted to get it done i wanted to so i would zoom through things real fast i never finished any seams i never (laughs) i didn't press anything open i was just zooming through super fast and of course everything turned out kind of bad at the time i had never seen any nice homemade clothing until i started paying more attention If you press every seam after you sew it, then it looks better. Everything works better. And I started being much more deliberate in my creation, in my sewing, even though it was killing me because personally, that's not me. I just (laughs) want to get it done. But I realized that I had to slow myself down and I had to do every step intentionally and do every step well. And then My finished product was so much better. Right. And I learned that the importance of patience gave me a better outcome. And I use that same knowledge in everything I do now. Yeah. Even though I cannot wait to get those beads in the oven and get it baked so I can see what it looks like. Yeah. All of that. I know I have to take the steps and be deliberate in what I'm doing. It's just going to be crap. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that it it helps, well, one, knowing that the outcome will be better. So maybe it's less torturous to do, to do those things we don't want to do. But also it plays into the whole idea of practice in and of itself. If you're doing those things and you're doing them well and doing them right, they become second nature and they're not such a big deal. couple last fun questions. One, and this kind of feeds into my last episode, which was about feeding your muse. What do you do to keep yourself inspired? And it doesn't have to be just about artwork, but I mean, you have to come up with ideas all the time for what it is that you are giving people at the Blue Bottle Tree and your insiders. So what do you do to keep yourself inspired? What do you how do you feed your muse?
0: I think the biggest thing is just to engage in life. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big passive consumer on things being fed to me. If I catch myself passively consuming, I try to stop it right away. Ah. Getting caught in reels, um, just mindlessly watching TV or anything like that. I'm very intentional about what I choose to bring into my world mm-hmm. because I want to have time to engage yeah. in life.
1: Yeah. Well, do you have any recent, new, or novel experiences that feature Muse or something you're planning that might give other listeners ideas for good, inspiring adventures?
0: I don't necessarily know that this qualifies, but whenever the weather is good, I like to get away into the woods. I've found a place where I can get away off trail and I take my backpacking stuff and I go sit in the woods for like three or four days at a time. Oh, wow. With no phone know nothing all that's great, and it's bliss yeah it's bliss so I do that when
1: I can that's great yeah just the unplugging that because we're so plugged in all the time so I think that's wonderful I would love to just go off in the woods for three or four days but yeah unplugging is a great thing and and for artists especially because our minds become so full with all this information constantly I think sometimes it's hard for our ideas to come out fully formed because of the constant interruptions thing. I like to ask everybody because I think this is so personal. What is your definition of success for you?
0: Well, it's going to be multifaceted. Sure. I'd say the, the, the most important thing is that I'm happy. I think that's that number one. Number two, that I've taken care of my responsibilities, my family, my health, my commitments, that
1: type of thing. Balancing that all out. Yeah.
0: And I'd say third, do no harm. Huh. I, I it's I, t- I take it very seriously that I don't ever want to hurt anyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think fourth, just make the world a better place. Right. Yeah. That's it. If I can do all that,
1: I won. It is kind of a lot when you think about it. I mean, they're all it's like very common things. Everybody like thinks, oh, yeah, I want that. But that's a lot to do. And that's a lot to keep a focus on.
0: And it's hard because you just want to eat Cheetos neon
1: orange chrysalides and think of all the butterflies that it will never be. (laughs) See, I don't think of it like that. I do. I'm So everything's like a visual story to me. Yeah, just, yeah, that's where I go. (laughs) So in a previous conversation, you and I talked about your insiders group, which is a little different than your blue bottle tree website concept that everybody knows you for.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about that? Blue Bottle Insiders. It's a learning community. It's a private membership community. And it is all levels from beginners to advanced. There are articles. There's a book club. There's an open workroom where 24-7 people go in there.
1: And And that's a Zoom or something, right? Yeah,
0: on Zoom. Yeah, somebody's almost always in there. There are forums. There's articles. There are meetings. There are drop-ins throughout the week. There are five different drop-in times. And that's just like coffee hour. We talk about play. We talk about everything. If you have any questions about play, (laughs) come and somebody knows the answer. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really, really, really good place.
1: Oh, that's great. Sounds like it's much more community oriented than what your main website does. The main
0: website is just informative articles. Yeah. And then, of course, there are tutorials that I sell. And that's how I make my living is on the tutorials. Yeah. Deep dives into specific processes. Right.
1: Do you want to give us the links that people can go to to find your website, and to find the Insiders community?
0: Sure. You can go to my website at thebluebottletree.com. And Insiders, you can get a membership in the tutorial shop on that website.
1: And are you on Instagram or Facebook? or What social media are you on?
0: I'm at thebluebottletree pretty much everywhere. So on Instagram,
1: (laughs) Facebook. Okay, great. Well, this is this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for all these thoughts about practice and how it's not a repetition and right. duplication thing. And that's good to take back to the studio and go, yes, doing things over and over again, if duplication is your thing and that does something for you, that's great. But there are definitely lots of other ways.
0: Well, I don't get a chance to talk about these things very often. <laughs> so I'm really, really, really glad.
1: Great. I'm glad we did. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: Okay, what do you all think? Just lots of great stuff to sift through there, right? Well, I hope you're beginning to see practice as more than just boring repetition, as something that encourages your sense of discovery and curiosity that helps add to the joy you can find in your artistic endeavors. If this offers any breakthroughs or you think of something I didn't cover, I'd love to hear your thoughts or even take questions on the subject or whatever. You can reach out on the website at thesagearts.com, go to the contact page, and as you know, Some comments work their way into future podcasts. It's also your chance to help feed the muses of your fellow creatives. So let me know what you think. As mentioned at the beginning, if you're enjoying the episodes and find value in what I'm doing here, consider giving back by going to the sagearts.com website, where halfway down the homepage, you'll find Buy Me A Coffee and PayPal donation buttons. Or you can now get stickers. I'm actually giving out two per order right now. They're glossy laminated, but they're not waterproof. I'll look into getting some waterproof ones in the future, but my tree hugger side just has a hard time buying the vinyl ones. But (laughs) the pretty glossy paper ones are on my polymer publication website, tenthmusearts.com. I'll have a link in the show notes and the Sage Arts website homepage as well. Also, don't forget to hit the follow button in your podcast player so you don't miss an episode and follow on social media on Facebook or Instagram under the Sage Arts Podcast. I've also been sending out weekly email notices to my super secret. Okay, it wasn't always super secret. It was my previous blog mailing list, but it's just my core group of people that have stuck with me for years. But if you'd like to join that list and get notices, you can go to the website at stagearts.com to sign up or find the link for the sign up in the show notes. I send those emails out on Sunday morning, well, my Sunday morning. Totally different time other parts of the world, of course, if you're listening in Europe or Australia, it's late weekend or early work week notice, I suppose. I know there's tons of you out there listening. So thank you for working with me in my faraway time zone. And if you want to help spread the word about this podcast, hit the share buttons on those social media posts, or you're welcome to grab the images and repost them so other creatives that might be needing this kind of conversation can better find us. In the meantime, go get yourself some transformational practice time in your studio. Don't forget to feed your muse with new experiences. Be true to your weirdness and join me again next week on the Sage Arts Podcast.